Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kima, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Before we release the, the youth, I wanted to go through our mission statement. Let's recite it. It is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And I was thinking about this mission statement. And I was thinking about that there are probably those that are more devoted to the idea of this intimacy with Christ rather than devoted to him, the man. It would be similar to, uh, Christine, maybe being married or getting married and saying, oh, look, look, I'm going to get married. Oh, look, look, look at the ring. You know, look, oh, yeah, she, I, I'm going to get married to her. Rather than, ah, I'm getting married. You see the difference? And so I think sometimes, especially when, when we recite our mission statement week after week, we can fall into this trap of not really understanding the heart of the mission statement. Is not that we are devoted to the mission statement, but we become intimately devoted to Him. Ha! Okay, our vision statement. Let's recite that at Life Fellowship. It is to become disciples who will impact the world with the love of Jesus Christ. We are getting trained and equipped to go out and make a difference in the world around us. And we can't go out and, and do the things that God's called us to do if we're ill-prepared and ill-equipped. Okay, so warrior youth, you guys are welcome to go back now. That's all. You've got more back there. Ms. Chantel is going to be with you today. So we are in this series, Give, Go, Grow. And I'm getting to the grow part. And this is the part that I've been really excited about. And all of this is as we give to the Lord, as we go with the Lord, as we obey the Lord, as, as we do these things, we're growing in our relationship with Him. But growth requires sacrifice. And so really my first point, or really kind of the topic this morning regarding growth is sacrifice. Probably not a real popular topic in the church today or in the workplace, or any other place, right? When we talk about sacrifice, we're like, oh, wow, wait a minute. That sounds like it's going to require something of me. That sounds like something that's going to stretch me. That sounds like something that I don't really want to do. But it's a requirement for our growth. Let's go to Romans 12, verse 1. This is a familiar passage of Scripture. But Paul is writing to the early church, and he says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. I plead with you. I'm asking you. I'm begging you. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. So when we think about the forgiveness for all of our sins, and, and we think about what God has done for us, Paul is saying, I plead with you. Give your bodies to God. So we are to dedicate our bodies to service to the Lord. So let's, let's look at this. What does this mean? Well, I think it means refusing to use our bodies as instruments for sin. Refusing to use our bodies for instruments for sin. So how do we sin with our body? Well, we could murder somebody. We could steal from somebody. We could lie to someone. We could gossip. Those are things that we can, uh, our body can be used for sin but there's also another thing that we need to consider. There's uh, uh, another way that we can dedicate our body is to refuse to sin against our own body. Well, wait a minute. These are two different things, I think. So sinning against our own body, Paul basically says it's a sexual immorality. And so we can sin with our body and we can sin against our own body. So let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Let's look at it in the New American Standard Bible. I like this, this translation as well. Flee immorality. What does flee mean? Hey, what's up, immorality, I'm going to hang out. No, it means run, get away from that thing. Flee immorality, every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, 
but the immoral man sins against his own body. So Paul is identifying sexual sin as a sin that is against our own body. And so that's why, uh, you know, we, we did the Conquer series for the men. And it's talking, it teaches men how to get free from pornography. Because men need to be free from this thing. And it's insidious, insidious that it, it gets into our lives, it gets into our marriages. And so Paul is very adamant about a flee from sexual immorality. Because it has an impact in our lives. And that's, I think, one of the reasons that so many marriages are failing today. And so many people are struggling in that area. You know, back in, I was thinking that 2,000 years ago, they didn't have the internet. They didn't have pornography on smartphones and things like that. They had lust. I mean, men and women could lust after one another. But it's so pronounced now. I mean, you can't even drive down the freeway without getting blasted with pornography, soft porn at, at minimal, right? And so this is something that Paul is saying, stay away from these things. He's saying, don't sin. I plead with you. I'm begging you. I'm asking you to give your bodies, submit your bodies to God. And so sin is choosing to disobey what Jesus taught us to do. Jesus desires to help us in our challenges. He doesn't leave us stranded. But you know what? Any of us can step out in front of an 18-wheeler going 100 miles an hour and get run over. And so we have the ability to make choices to follow after God's Word. And not only that, but we have the Holy Spirit to help us, to lead us and guide us into all truth. Let me be clear. This is not about performing. This is not about willing to, to be legalistic and ritualistic and religious and all these things. It is about a transformation of our heart. Because when God begins to get a hold of our heart, he begins to change, through our change of our heart, our actions begin to change. And so that is what the Bible is really teaching us, is to yield our hearts and lives to him. A lot of the things that we put value on I don't think God really cares that much about what he wants is our heart. He wants a commitment. He wants us to walk in the fullness that he created us to walk in. And we can't walk in the fullness if we're bound up in chains. Jesus came to set us free. So this is not about performance. It's about transformation. True transformation comes through our relationship with Jesus. If we are willing to allow him to do so. We have a part to play in this, where we say, God, I'm going to yield to you. Jesus has the ability to transform our lives because many of us have tried to transform our lives ourselves and we can't do it. That's because we can't do it. <laughs> we need him to transform our lives. And so a changed heart changes the way that we begin to think about things. And the way we begin to think about things is going to have an impact on what we do. Because if we're thinking about stopping at Specs and buying a fifth of tequila on the way home from work, that's where it's going to begin. And then one thing leads to another to another. Next thing you know, you're pulling in the parking lot. Next thing you know, you're walking out with a fifth of tequila or a bag of weed or you know, going on the internet or, or doing something that you know you shouldn't do. It begins here. And so dedication to the Lord is not us becoming religious and legalistic. It's about us yielding our hearts and lives to him. Dedication happens through our relationship and commitment to Christ. This relationship brings us freedom. <laughs> Jesus didn't come to bind us up with a bunch of law and rules and regulations. He came that we would get his heart that we would understand his great love for us, that we would understand his grace and mercy toward us. Romans 12, uh, let me read verse 1 again. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Verse 1 continues. Let them what? Let them what? Who? What? Our bodies. Let our bodies be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. So we can live this life now, living a, a holy and a righteous life, not because of performing, 
but because the word says that we're made righteous through the blood of Christ, not through our actions. But if there's no change in our heart, if there's no change in our life, do we really have a relationship with him? If we're still doing the same things that we did when we were unsaved, what's the point? And so God wants to do this work in our hearts and our lives, a living sacrifice, living holy lives with his help and his transformation as we yield to him and we can demonstrate a submitted life to him as we allow him to do this work in our hearts and lives. Let them, our bodies, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Oh, wait, I thought worship him was like, you know, we bring a sacrifice of praise into the house. That's an old song there. <laughs> but, but this is truly the way to worship him, that we would give our lives to him, that we would submit to him, that we would allow him to do this process in us that's uncomfortable sometimes. So what can we give as a sacrifice? Well, one thing we can give is our praise and worship. Our worship is a sacrifice that we choose to give him. You can come here on Sunday morning. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a nice song, whatever. What's, what's going on? I don't really like that song. You know, I, I think the, the music is too loud. I, I think it's too soft. What is that guy wearing up there? You know, why is he wearing that? What chord is he playing? What's the drummer doing? Oh, Vanessa's gone today. Didn't you like that? She, she played remotely. I don't know where she is. <laughs> but, you know, here's the thing. We think that that's worship. Worship is coming into this intimate, personal relationship with him and living a life that says, I am a Christian. I'm not just talking about it. I can prove it because I go out and live it. You guys are on fire this morning. I think I'm on fire. Yeah. <laughs> So real relationships require some amount of sacrifice. And many of us give of our time. Many of you give of your time, your talents, and your treasure. Jesus sacrificed more for us than anyone else has ever done. So if you want to talk about sacrifice, if you want to see the example of sacrifice, look at Jesus. Romans 12, 2. One of my favorite scriptures, you guys know this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God... Allow God, yield to God, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Yes. Coming into alignment with his will, his purpose, his plan, what he says about us. Not even about what we say about ourselves. Oh, I'm an idiot. Why did I do that? No, God says you're his prized possession. Why would Paul be telling the church to not copy the behavior and customs of this world? Why would he be saying that? Do you think it's relevant today, what he was teaching? What, what do we see happening in the church today? Are, oh, we're relevant. Does that mean we compromise? Does that mean that we teach things that are contrary to the word of God? Some, in some churches it does. Some pastors are teaching anything just to get people in. I don't care. You know, this is what people want to hear. But what we're going to teach is the truth here. And what's going to happen is we are going to be challenged. We clap, yeah, the truth, yeah, yeah, until we start talking about sacrifice, yeah, beating myself up and having to go through this. Oh, no, God, I don't want to sacrifice. <laughs> I remember there was a, a family that went to a church that we visited, and um, the little boy ran out in the, in the uh, parking lot, and somebody accidentally backed over his foot. And do you remember that show, 911? It was kind of like cops, or, and he was crying. He's like, I don't want to be on 911. So anyway, I don't know why I'm sharing that story, but I just thought of that. So, okay. So, but we, we, don't, want to, we don't want to do something that's going to cost us many times. We want to we want to go register for the class. We want to audit the class, and then we want to walk walk across the stage, or we want to get that that A at the end of the course. We don't want to have to go through anything, but it's going through that stuff that prepares us, where we learn, where we're trained and equipped. So, is there a noticeable difference between today's church and the world? 
Is there a difference? Is there a noticeable difference between the church and the world today? Is there a noticeable difference between you and unsaved people? Is there a different lifestyle? Is there, are we, do we have more peace? Are we walking in faith? Are we living a lifestyle that demonstrates a commitment to Christ? Or when people look at us as a Christian and an unsaved people, is there any differentiation between the two? There's noticeable difference between many of us in this room. And we are all in a, in a, a progress, progressive state of God transforming our lives not due to self-help, but due to, Jesus, I need your help. And so as we yield to him, he will do something amazing, miraculous in our lives. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So coming into alignment with God's purpose, his plan is good for us. So my second point this, this morning is remain humble. Romans 12, 3, let's read on. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Do not think you are better than you really are. I think there are some Christians that think they're better than they really are. But when you begin to look at the demonstration of their life, when you begin to look at the character of their life, you say, whoa, wait a minute. You're saying that I'm mature, but I'm not seeing your actions and your words line up with what you're saying you are. And so Paul is saying, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. We are all being transformed. If we will yield to him. And there are people that will only go so far. I say, this is as far as I'm going. I'll let you transform me to here but i'm not going any further because it's going to cost me too much it's going to require something so sacrifice are we willing to give up our seat for somebody else are we willing to hear a, a, another a teaching again on the same subject that maybe might be for someone else I mean, do we have the Word of God so in us, and do we have this thing so completely packaged in our life that we don't need it anymore? Because the Word of God says it will not return void without accomplishing what it was sent to do. So if I taught on Jesus wept for six weeks, God would be doing something because His Word is doing something. Not because someone is up here teaching or preaching or sharing but because of God's word and his Holy Spirit is going forth. So we have to look at our character. We have to look at the demonstration of our life to, and measure it against the word of God, not against our neighbor, not against another church, or not against another person, but what does the word of God say? And I think when we look at the word of God and we look at our lives, we're saying, well, I still have some work to do. I still have to yield some things to the Lord and allow him to do the work in my heart and in my life. So Paul understood and respected all, of, all that God had given him and blessed him with. Let me read the scripture again. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning, don't think you are better than you really are. And so Paul understood the responsibility that he had, that it was a privilege to teach. It was a privilege to do all the things that he got to do, to have the authority that he had, to have the anointing that he had, to have the oversight that he had, to be able to disciple, to mentor, to write two-thirds of the Bible, of the New Testament, rather. So Paul understood the responsibility. And the Lord wants us to understand when we have a position of authority or when God has given us a place to serve, that it's a privilege and honor to do that. You're not all that in a bag of chips. You really aren't. But for the Lord, you wouldn't have those giftings. And but for the Lord opening up the door, you wouldn't have that opportunity. But what we see is people get puffed up with pride, and pride is one of the things the enemy uses. It comes in a lot of different shades and colors and sizes and shapes. 
But pride is one of the things that the enemy uses. So don't get prideful. Prideful, pridefulness leads to problems. In Luke 18, 14, Jesus says, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. So what is our position? Are we exalting ourselves? Hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. Or are we humble and are we serving and are we obedient? Because that's what God is looking for. He's looking for people that are humble, that are submitted, that will sacrifice. Oh, man, they're sitting in my seat. What am I going to do? I've had that happen before. I walked into church on a Tuesday night and somebody was sitting in my seat on the front row. What are you doing sitting in my seat? Don't you know that is my seat? Okay, they'd never been to our church before. That's okay. It's still my seat. <laughs> and come to find out, they were just coming to the Lord. Was I willing to give up my stinking seat for someone else? That's how ridiculous we get sometimes. James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. Let's go back to Romans, because I was just talking about pridefulness and, and you know, realizing the reality of who we are in Christ, that without Christ we are nothing. And Christ gives us all the things that we have and that we need. So if, if we're going to boast in anything, we need to boast in him. Amen. Romans uh, 12.3 continues, Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Allow the Lord to bring exposure to your life. Allow him to highlight the brokenness in your life. Allow him to bring to the surface the sin or the pride or disobedience in your life. Allow him to do those things and then give those over to him. And let him begin that work and that process or continue that. Be honest with him. Be teachable. It's one of our core values, being teachable. Being able to be taught, but also being able to teach others. And so when we have our equipping classes on Wednesday night, it's so we can get this, so that we can go and train and equip others that don't, don't know the Word of God. Romans 12.4, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. I like that. I'm glad that they put that in there. And we all belong to each other. Well, no, I'm, I'm living in a silo. I'm all about me. No, you're not all about you. You shouldn't be. We all belong to each other. And so we should all prefer one another. I don't want to see that movie. But if you want to see it, let's go see it, honey. I don't want to go to that restaurant. But you want to go? So let's go to that restaurant. I don't like that kind of food. But we want to make it all about us because we don't want to sacrifice anything because it's become all about me. It's all about me. Okay, so a healthy body has all its parts working together. Are we working together or are we blowing up because we can't work together? As the body of Christ, we are family and we are connected to each other. That is how it's supposed to be that we belong to one another, that we're connected to one another, that we love one another, that we prefer one another, that we're willing to let somebody else sit in our seat, that we're willing to go through something because maybe they need it. Romans 12, 6, In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So God has gifted every one of us to do certain things well. He's given us gifts or abilities. And uh, I want to stop here, though. I want to go to Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. And we're talking about gifts. So here in Ephesians, we have the five offices that Christ gave to the church. Now, and this is part of our, our core scripture here. You know this. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. That you, you may also hear this referred to as the five-fold ministry. Apostle, prophet, Evangelist, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Um, now, these are callings. These are not self-promotions or appointments. I've met people that said, I'm an apostle. Well, okay. And I believe that people will uh, give themselves titles. But these are offices of the church. What does it say that Christ gave to the church? 
and we haven't gotten there yet, but for equipping the saints. So these are offices that, that Christ gives. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So Christ has given these offices, these positions, to the church for the role of equipping God's people and building up the church. Additionally, he has given each of us gifts, okay? So these are talking about two different things. In Romans 12, let's go back to Romans 12. So in, in Ephesians here, he's talking about the five offices, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And now here in, in Romans 12:4, he says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. Are you part of Christ's body? Okay, so you may not be in the office of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, but you have, you're part of the body and you belong to each, 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 each other. So our attitude should be to humbly submit to each other. We have an acronym here, WIT. You know what that means? Whatever it takes. And that's really serving one another. Hey, you know, can you help me sweep up the floor in there? Can you take the trash out of the bathroom? Yeah, I'll help you out. Because we're working together. We are part of the body. What if my brain said, I'm not going to think today? Oh, it does that sometimes. Uh, what if my leg says, I'm not going to move? I don't want to move today. I'm not, I'm not working today. I'm sleeping. And so we are working together. So we need to humbly submit to one another. Verse 6, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. We are to do things well. So that's why there's a spirit of excellence in this house. We want to do things with excellence. Not perfection, but we want to, do, we want to use our giftings well. And, and so that's why we, we want to do things to the best of our ability, because this is God's house. And if we'll do our best for our neighbor or for our boss, why would we do less for the Lord? Excellence is demonstrated here. We honor God when we do and when we give our best to him. It's not honoring to give our leftovers or, or give something sloppy. What if you went over to somebody's house and they said, hey, I want to have you come over for dinner, and then they pull out this week-old chicken casserole, and they say, well, you know, I didn't have time to cook. You know, here, here, spoon out some of this and eat some of this. Or if you go to someone's house and they cook a nice meal, what do you feel? You feel honored. So why would we do something less for the Lord than what we would do for somebody else? So our actions reveal our hearts. Our actions reveal our heart. Um, here in, in verse 6, 7, and 8 of Romans 12, the last part of 6, are, you may have heard the motivational gifts. You may have heard that term. This is what this is referring to. This is the, the scriptures that it's referring to. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. So why does God give us gifts? So we can put them on a shelf. Oh, look, I've got the gift of prophecy. Isn't that nice? Yeah. No, he expects us to use them for his kingdom, to build up the church, to equip the saints, to encourage and to strengthen one another. And so prophecy is a gift that requires great spiritual maturity and discernment. A word from the Lord can change a person's destiny. And you don't have to be a prophet to do that. If we will just take time to build relationships and listen to people, listen to their heart, maybe just give them a word of encouragement, maybe just give them a hug, maybe just stop and spend 30 seconds talking to them, that could change someone's destiny. A right word given at the wrong time can have an adverse effect. I've seen that happen. The Lord may give us insight for a person or a situation. The Lord may give us insight for a person or a situation, and the, the Lord may want us to share that with that person, or he may not. Or he may say, wait. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit when he's speaking to us and giving us uh, prophetic words or, or a word for someone. And uh, we need to make sure that we're hearing clearly from the Lord. And we also need discernment in giving the word. Because again, sometimes the, the Lord speaks to me a lot. And sometimes he speaks to me about you guys. And sometimes I'm supposed to say something. Sometimes I'm not supposed to say something. Sometimes I'm just supposed to pray about it. Sometimes I think God just 
loves me and wants to tell me something about you. Maybe he loves you. So, uh, well, he does love you. Uh, let, me, let me clarify that. <laughs> God doesn't love you. He doesn't speak. No, I'm just kidding. So God loves all of us. And so God will speak to us if we have our antennas up, our spiritual antennas up. And if we have it turned to the right dial, in other words, if, if we're open to receive from him, and God will speak to us. And depending on a person's maturity or immaturity and relationship with the Lord, we need to be careful. We need to be discerning on what we share because they may not be able to handle it. I've seen situations like that where this man had a word for uh, a person, a young lady, and the word was right on, man. It was right on, but the timing was terrible. And it had an adverse effect. So I think God was clearly speaking to him, but he did not discern the timing of giving the word. And, you know, when we, when we pray about it and we say, God, you've given me this word of, uh, for someone, are they, we need to pray, God, are they in a position to receive it? Or are they in a place of woundedness where they're going to take the word of God, they're going to take this and twist it, to make it into something that fits their own desires, not what the Lord is, is calling them to do, or not the intention of this word, but are, are they going to receive the word in purity and in the manner in which God is giving the word? So I believe this gift, the prophetic gift that, that he's talking about here in Romans 12 is different than the office of a prophet. I think those are two different things. Just like um, someone can get up and, and speak and, and maybe have a title of pastor, but maybe they're not really a pastor. Maybe they're, they're not really shepherding people. They may be a great speaker, but they may not really be a pastor. So I believe that, that this gift is different than, than the, the, the offices that we talked about earlier. So I can have... And I have. God has given me prophetic words to share with people. And, and I can, and you know, when he does that, and I do. But that doesn't make me a prophet. That doesn't necessarily mean that I'm operating in that office as a prophet. These are gifts that Christ gave to the church, the, the body of Christ. And so he gives us all gifts. Prophecy is just one of those. And by the way, uh, you know, if I have a word, a, a prophetic word, it's, it's not going to come across in Old English. Thou saith the Lord, thou, thou go fortheth, you know, or whatever. It, it, can, it can just be a natural conversation. You may, I may not even say that this is a word from the Lord. I may just say, hey, you know what, have you ever considered? I mean, does it really matter? If, if the word of God is speaking through our life into the heart of someone, that's what's important, right? Uh, uh, let me put on my prophet but I'm a prophet today, so I have a word. I mean, we can do that, but why? Why not just love people and give, like Sherrod says, I, I give it as I get it. So why don't we just receive from the Lord and give what he tells us to give? I mean, it's not that difficult. So I, I happen to be in the office of a pastor. And, and so back to those five offices, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. I operate in that, that office, but I can also operate in other giftings. I can operate in prophetic if God gives me a word. I can lay hands on people and they can be healed. I can operate in the gift of encouragement. Let me read on. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Okay, so Romans 12, 7, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. Some of you have the gift of serving. Serve with a great attitude, with love and selflessness, sacrificially. Serve with excellence, with the right heart and the right attitude. Have you ever been to a restaurant and you've got a server with a cruddy attitude? <laughs> you know, so God is saying, if, listen, whatever he's given you to do, if it's serving, if it's in a prophetic, if it's encouraging, if it's whatever it is, do it with the right heart and attitude. Because I've seen people even in the church with a cruddy attitude. Oh, I'm serving. I'm doing this. I'm doing this thing over here, but, you know, I don't like it. And it shows. 
and everybody around me is going to know that I don't like it. Well, then maybe you shouldn't be doing it. Or maybe your heart is not right, and maybe God wants to get a hold of your heart and have you serving with the right heart and attitude. Romans 12, 7 continues, If you're a teacher, teach well. Plan, prepare, teach. You have a great responsibility. Are you taking that seriously? Pastor Christine's a great teacher. And and many of you have the gift of teaching. And so we want to help you develop those giftings. And and part of it is is when you come here on a a Wednesday night, uh, you know, you're receiving, you're being built up, you're being encouraged, you're being trained and equipped. What if somebody else is teaching instead of Pastor Christine? Or what if somebody else is up here on Sunday instead of me? Are you okay with that? Because maybe there's some training and equipping going on. I want to have a ta moment. Uh, If you don't know what ta means, it means transparent, authentic, and honest. And uh, there were were times when at our home church, when the senior pastor wasn't speaking, somebody else was going to be speaking. We found out about it. We'd say, I don't want to hear him preach. I want to hear Pastor Don. But what if Pastor Don was taking a break? You know, that's plausible, right? That's possible. Uh, What if Pastor Don was giving someone else the opportunity to grow in their gifting? Would we be okay with that? And sometimes I wasn't really okay with that. But see what that did? That demonstrated my immaturity. That demonstrated it was all about me. But what if I was going to speak? Would I want everybody to stay away? Oh, Mark Johnson's speaking. Ah, no, we're not going. And there were three people there. (laughs) How would I feel? So this, this giving, this giving and serving is not all about us. It's all about uh, him, and God is going to train and equip us if we're willing to do so. Romans 12, 8, if your gift is to encourage others, then be encouraging. <laughs> I have this gift, um, and if, if you have this gift, you need to use it because we all need to be encouraged. Long before I ever became a pastor, I was an encourager. And uh, using our gifts is going to require something. And I know even as an encourager, there were times where (sighs) I knew I needed to call somebody. I knew I needed to reach out. But God, I'm tired, man. It's been a long day. Or I don't want to call God because they're going to talk for an hour and I really don't want to be on the phone for an hour. Or I don't want to stop by. I'm really busy today. I... I, I. See, I had an I problem. It was all about me. But I've seen God do amazing things when I would just obey, when I would call and encourage someone, maybe that I hadn't talked to in months. And God put it on my heart to call my friend in Corpus one day. He said, thanks for calling. My mom just died today. A word from God, obedience to God, can help people. That's that's God's heart. He's not interested in the labels and the titles and the positions. What he cares about is people's hearts. And he can use people like us, as messed up and broken as we are sometimes, as needy as we could be, as emotional as we can get, all of those kinds of things. God can use us in spite of ourselves. He goes on to say, if it's giving, give generously. A number of people here at Life Fellowship are very generous givers. And the Lord desires for all of us to be givers. God loved the world so much that he gave. If God has given you a, a leadership ability, take, this respon- take the responsibility seriously. We need more leaders, people that are going to lead well, people that are committed, 
people that are faithful. Verse 8, and if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. We should all be kind. Okay, you don't have to have the gift of kindness to be kind. <laughs> so be kind. Let's go to Galatians uh, 5, 16, 19, and 26. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, and you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Clearly, the results of walking in our flesh, our spirit, are spelled out here. Okay? Uh, verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other things like these. So these are the things, if we're doing these things, if we're living these lifestyles, then it's pretty clear here that we're following our sinful desires. Okay, let's read on. Verse 21 continues. Let me tell you again, as I've told you before, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of lifestyle will not inherit the kingdom of God. You can decipher that however you want. But listen, what, what he's saying here is don't live those kinds of lifestyles, okay? And let's read on. Um, but, well, let me say this first. With, without the grace of God, we would all be there. Yes. We, we've all been there, probably. And maybe we still struggle to get out of those places sometimes. But with God's help and with his leading and guidance, we can get out of that trap. Verse 22 says, But the Holy Spirit produces the, this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And so this is how we can clearly decide, are we walking in the sinful nature or are we walking in this renewed nature of our, uh, that, that we have now that we're saved? And it doesn't mean we never make a mistake or that we're stellar in everything that we do because we're not. But we're moving forward. We're growing and maturing. We're walking away from some of those things that we used to do and allowing God to transform our lives into the things that he wants us to walk in. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Okay, so if we are walking in accordance to his Holy Spirit, we're going to be demonstrating kindness. We're going to be demonstrating love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are going to be the attributes of our life. And again, it doesn't mean that we live there all the time and we never make a mistake or we're never unkind. But generally, we're moving in that direction as God is transforming our life. He's transforming our heart. Let's go back to Romans 12. Um, and again, these, these are the motivational gifts that we've been talking about. Prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, and kindness. And then Paul continues in, in verse uh, 13. Don't just pretend to love others. Okay, so he's been teaching about all these gifts, Right? Prophecy and kindness and serving and encouragement. But here, he's wrapping it up. He says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. That's the mark of a Christian. That's the mark of maturity. That's the mark of sacrifice. That we would truly love one another. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight Take delight in honoring one another. Oh, you want to go to that movie? I can't stand it. Let's go to that movie. I love that movie. I'll, I'll learn to love it, okay? I like it, and I'm going to enjoy it. You like that restaurant? Let's go to that restaurant. Oh, I'm sure I'll find something I like there. Do they have water? <laughs> love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Not with drudgery, but enthusiastically serve the Lord. Oh, great, I get to serve the Lord. I get to go to Life Fellowship today, and it's 99 degrees outside. But you know what? I'm going to set up those patio tables, and I'm going to do it with enthusiasm. Because it's going to bless somebody's heart. When they're eating the donuts and drinking the coffee, somebody's going to be appreciative 
that somebody prepared a table for them. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Wow, what an encouraging word. I think that God has for us. And when he brings us to a place and gives us the opportunity and we serve with excellence and enthusiasm and with love, really loving one another, not this fake kind of stuff, but this real love kind of stuff, and we get to see lives touched and changed, a smile come on somebody's face that maybe is having a rough week or a rough day, what a great privilege and opportunity that is for us to get to do that. You know, this, this really goes back to what I was talking about when we talked about our mission statement. Is our devotion to this idea of intimate relationship with Him? Or is our devotion to Him? Because that's what makes a difference. Otherwise, it's just religion or it's just going through the motions or it's just something else. So as we come together, we worship together, we encourage one another, we build one another up. Today's topic is on sacrifice. The, the heart of this message in the next couple of weeks is how do we grow spiritually? But when we do, when we yield, we see God's hand work through our lives in amazing ways. And I, I would hate for any of us to miss that because God has given you gifts and abilities that he wants you to not put on a shelf but to use. And some of us need to be trained and equipped. If, if you gave a, a child a sword, they could hurt themselves. But knowing how to use, being trained and equipped on how to use that sword, the word of God correctly, there's no telling what they can do. And so as we're training up our children back there in children's ministry to know the Word of God, to have this relationship with Jesus, not just know about Him, but to know Him. And that's my greatest desire. I believe that's desire, the desire of the Lord is that we would know Him, not just know about Him. But our lives would be so transformed that it would be apparent to people. There are people that you can come in contact with and the Spirit of God is so strong in you. They are drawn to you. And they're like, there's... What is it with you? Well, let me tell you what it is. It's the Spirit of God. It's this transformation that God has done and is doing in my life. And He can do the same for you. There's a whole world of people that need that hope and that truth. And they need to see people that really love them. That not just talk about it, but really love them. And I think that's one of the greatest characteristics of this church that I'm so pleased to be a part of. You guys are authentic in your love for one another. You're not perfect. Neither am I. <laughs> but one thing I can say is we love one another. And I think that's the heart of God. I think that's what He wants. I want to take just a couple of minutes and uh, give an update on where we are in the Building Fund campaign. We've had four people... Uh, give $100, and that's two, two from the week before. We've had one person give $250. We've had one, when I say person, I, I mean family. We've had one family give uh, $440. We've had four families give uh, $500. We've had one family give $650. We've had four families give $1,000. <sighs> We've had one family give $4,000. We've had Two families give $5,000. We've had we have four families that have given $10,000. That's it was three last week and it was four this week and then we've had uh, one family give $100,000. Amen. So you guys are doing great. And uh, last last week we were at 157,341 and uh, we received last Sunday $4,400 so we're now at $161 right in here Thank you, Amen 
So I want to thank you for your faithful giving. I know that uh, some of you are, are still giving and praying, and uh, some of us are, are still continuing to give. And uh, I'm excited because we're, we're in this series, Give, Go, Grow. And so we're praying about our, buying our own building, and we're excited about that. And you guys are responding in generous fashion, and uh, we want to keep the needle moving. So I anticipate it's going to move uh, even more when you come back next week. I want to bless you before we leave. In, in Numbers 6, the Lord to, told Moses to tell Aaron to bless the people of Israel. And he said, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Lord, I thank you for this wonderful congregation. I thank you for the love that's present in this house. I thank you for the, the genuineness, the authenticity to be real here. And Lord God, I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and lives. And God, I pray that as we go through this week, that your word will resonate within us and that we will understand and that we will have the opportunity to sacrifice, to give unto you the things that maybe are uncomfortable for us to give, but we made a commitment and a determination to, to yield to you every area of our hearts and lives. And God, you're doing a work. You're, you're making us to look more like Jesus by transforming our hearts and lives. And so, Lord, I just pray a blessing over everyone, and I pray that we would continue to impact the lost and dying world around us. In Jesus' name. So I want to challenge you as always. You have a great opportunity this week. Don't miss those opportunities by going out as you live it. You're dismissed. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for tuning into our broadcast. For more information, be sure to find us at our website at www.lifefellowship.me or call us at 832-864-2800. Have a great week and remember to live it. God bless you.